0: As you're getting settled, if, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4, 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to be, as Craig mentioned, we're going to be starting a new series next Sunday titled Family Portraits, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. I, I, hope, I hope you are too, and, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be kind of working our way through the Old Testament. Um, and, 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 and highlighting different families uh, uh, in the Old Testament and trying to learn from them, the, the pictures that we see in, in those families and both the good and the bad. Um, and so I'm excited about that. We're going to kick that off next, next Sunday. And, and even if you're single... I promise you it'll be applicable. So this is this is going to be for everybody. I I promise that. So, but that's next Sunday. But I wanted to use today. I wanted to use this Sunday to kind of close out our certainty conference, such as it is. I know that it officially ended on Wednesday, and um, I don't. You know, for those of you that were here, I don't know what you thought about it, but I I I thought it was tremendous. Truly, all of it. And and as as Craig already mentioned, everybody did such a tremendous job. I'm so thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful that you guys were here. It was a great turnout. I asked you to come, and, and you came, and, and so, man, thank you for that. I praise the Lord for it, and I, I, I hope you didn't come just because of me. I hope you came for you. Um, that's why I wanted you here, because I know that, that it's good for you. I know that it's good for us together, and I desire that. I desire the best for you. I desire the best for this church, and what's best for this church is for you to be involved, for us all to do it together. Um, so let me just say, if, if you weren't here, man, you, did, you missed out. You missed out on, on something special. It was a really special week. And again, I, I don't say that to lay any guilt trip. Truly, I mean that. I know there are a lot of people that weren't here and, and for various reasons, various legitimate reasons. You know, For example, uh, Micah and Anissa had baby Lucy on Monday. Um, so if you guys are watching, Congratulations. And I'm sure many others weren't able to make it, you know, for, for various other reasons. There's no doubt about that. But, but I do believe that God did something special in our midst uh, this past week. Through the praise, certainly through the preaching and teaching, both morning and evening sessions, and even through the fellowship time we had together in the barns or the afternoons, whatever it might have been. And I'm so thankful for that, truly. Uh, but because of the high of, of last week... I feel it important to give you a warning this week. Uh, you might have already noticed the title of today's message, and that's a warning from the mountaintop. So this, this morning's message is going to be just that, a, a warning of what to watch out for when you're coming down off of a mountaintop experience like we had last week. You see, the mountaintop experience is, man, the... They're great. I mean, that's, that's why they're called mountaintop experiences, right? They're awesome. And they're important in our lives. God uses them in us. But, the, but they can also sometimes mess us up a little bit. You know, it did with Peter. When he had a literal mountaintop experience on Mount Transfiguration in Matthew 17. And during that time of seeing Jesus in all his glory with Moses and Elijah there with him. You know, he, he kind of forgot about the mission. And we see that in Matthew 17:4. It says then Peter, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, "Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias." And of course, if you're familiar with that story, Peter learned very quickly, even while he was still talking, that that wasn't such a great idea. But he got caught up in the moment, and he lost perspective of where they were in time and history, and therefore he had a wrong idea, wrong wrong thinking because of it. They couldn't stay up there. They couldn't build those tabernacles and just hang out. You see, we can't ever get so caught up in the excitement of a moment or a week or a conference that it distracts us from where God is trying to take us. You see, we need to use the moment. We need to use the the mountaintop. We need to use the excitement and understand what it is that God is doing and use that knowledge to propel us forward even further in ministry to him. And I want to use an example. I want to use as an example uh, a time in the life of the nation of Israel this morning to illustrate this important point. As I've already mentioned, we find this example in 1 Samuel 2 chapter 4. And now, 1 Samuel chapter 4, Israel isn't exactly coming off a, a mountaintop experience like us, but it was an exciting time or it should have been an exciting time. It should have been a great time for the nation because God had set them up with a great man. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, God called Samuel to be Israel's leader, their prophet, their judge, and this should have set them up for a mountaintop ride, for an extended period. And it should have ushered in a time of prosperity and blessing because they had the man of God to lead them and give them the word of God. But it it didn't turn out that way. Instead, what we're going to see in our passage this morning is a crushing defeat. But from this crushing defeat, I believe we get the warning that we need today. Because we can see the pitfalls. That they fell into and therefore how to avoid them and how to move forward in our individual and our collective walk with the Lord. So let's read our passage and then see what the Lord has for us this morning. And let's take heed to the warning we're going to learn from the children of Israel. First Samuel chapter 4, uh, where we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 this morning. And in verse 1, the Bible says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array, against or in, in, in line against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, That when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hands of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there had not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen, and the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were slain. Right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning needing to hear from you. And, and, and I say that knowing that we heard from you all week. And it was such a great time. It was such an uh, encouraging time. It was a, a, a time of, 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 of certainly conviction And as we looked into your word about all that it means to worship you. And, and yet it was a time of great encouragement as we, as we spent time together and, and we were able to just see you in our midst. And I'm so thankful for that, but Lord, we need to hear from you again today, and we need to hear from you on this very important topic of, of just understanding the warning signs when we're, when we're on in dealing with situations like we're dealing with now and coming off highs and coming off good times. And so Lord, I pray that you use this in our lives this morning, and you just set us up for where we're going to go from here. Lord, I pray that everything that is said is true to your word. I pray that it honors and glorifies you as only you deserve. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit works in our hearts and in our lives this morning and, and we're drawn closer to you because of your word. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so I think it's, it's quite clear from what we just read that, man, this was a, this was a bad day. Um, there were multiple days here, but this was, this was a bad time in the history of the nation of Israel. For the first time in their history... The ark of God, the ark of the covenant, representing the very presence of God, was taken from Israel. It had never been taken from them before. And so coming off this high of Samuel being chosen by God as their leader and leading them in the word of God for for many years now and, and leading them in the ways of God, they somehow end up in a position of utter defeat and devastation. And we read at the beginning of 1 Samuel 4 that they they go out into this initial battle with the Philistines. And in that initial battle, they lost 4,000 men. You know, it's not a good day. But as we read, it gets even worse. The next time, it's 30,000 men in the Ark of the Covenant. And here's the thing. They started from a position of victory. They started from a mountaintop position because they started from Ebenezer. We read that in verse 1. And Ebenezer means a stone of help. It's a stone of help. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. You see, the chief cornerstone was in their corner. But they didn't remember why. Or, or better stated, they didn't remember the conditions associated with him being in their corner. And if we're not careful, that can describe us too. And we can get to a point to where we're resting on our, laurel, our laurels and we rest on what got us to the mountaintop. But if we do that, we run the risk of losing we run, run the risk of facing defeat because what we need to understand here is after this initial defeat where they lose these 4,000 men, there was actually an opportunity here for Israel. They had just lost a big battle, but now they had the opportunity to use that as an eye opener, to go to God, to learn what they did wrong, but they didn't do that. They thought they were privileged and that this was just a minor setback. I mean, they were the mountaintop nation. They had God, the only true God, in their corner. And nothing was going to change that until something did. And what changed was they took for granted the goodness of God. And church, we too need to be very careful of this same thing. God is good. And God has consistently been good to us and consistently been good to this church. He was good to us this past week. But we must be very careful to not take that for granted. And we need to stay focused on the mission because that is what Israel didn't do. And that's the first warning we get from the children of Israel in this passage today. And that is they lost their focus. They lost their focus. Look at what happens in verse 3 after this initial defeat. And I'll, and I'll explain what I mean here. Verse 3, when the people were come into the camp, this is after they've lost these 4,000 men. So they come back to the camp. And they were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hands of our enemies. So do you see what happens here? So Israel gets, you know, they, they get defeated. They get kind of taken to the woodshed, so to speak, by the Philistines. But instead of, of, of getting on their knees and getting before the Lord, Who had smitten them, that they recognized that the Lord had smitten them. And instead of going to him and confessing their sins and get with Samuel maybe to see what they needed to do differently, instead of doing any of that, they just said, hey, you know what? Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. That's going to solve all our problems. And look at it. This is a question. They said, wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? They're asking a question. And they recognize that, that, man, is this the Lord that did this? But look at who they're asking. They're asking each other. They didn't ask the Lord. They didn't go to him and say, Lord, what what happened? What did we do wrong? What do we need to change? No, no they come up with a solution on their own because they thought they were privileged because they were God's chosen people. And you know what? They were. But that's not enough. And it caused them to lose their focus. Listen, victory is always possible, but it's never guaranteed. Victory is always possible in the Lord. Victory over sin, victory in, in walking the Christian walk, We're always able to do that, but it's not a guarantee. See, Israel wanted a quick fix to this problem and didn't want to repent and do what they needed to do to gain victory. They thought the mere fact that God had been with them in past battles meant that God would be with them in every battle. And sometimes we can think the same way, especially when we're on the mountaintop, we're unbeatable. And I'm telling you, that's very, very dangerous. And it's very dangerous because they lost their focus on two levels. So first, here's what we see. This is how they lost their focus. First of all, they focused on the past and not the present. And that's a dangerous proposition. Because again, what did they do? What was their response to losing this first battle? They said, okay, The the Philistines just beat us, but but no big deal. It's okay. We just got to go get the Ark of the Covenant. Because it seemed like that had worked in the past. For example, when the children of Israel were marching to Moab in the wilderness, Moses used the Ark of the Covenant to scatter their enemies. You see that in Numbers chapter 10, verses 33 through 36. It says, "...and when they departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey," And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out in the camp. And it came to pass when the ark set forth that Moses said, rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered and let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. It was used, Moses used the ark to scatter their enemies. And we won't take the time to go there, but God gave Joshua very specific instructions on using the ark of the covenant in the taking of Jericho in in Joshua chapter 6. So the children of Israel, through their past, had seen this method of bringing the ark of the covenant to battle before, and it had always worked So they assumed it was going to work again. They assumed that just because things had worked in the past, that they were going to work in the present and in the future. And and let me just tell you, you can never assume that just because you had spiritual victory in the past, that it's guaranteed in the future. And maybe God really worked in your life this past week. I hope he did. But you cannot assume that what God did in your life at our certainty conference is going to sustain you indefinitely into the future. You have to keep seeking him. You have to keep obeying him. You have to keep on. And and listen, that's the key to the equation here, this aspect of obedience. Because do you know why having the Ark of the Covenant worked for Moses and why it worked for Joshua it's because the Lord told them to do it. It's because they were following the Lord and his instruction and not setting out on their own. We already read in Numbers 10:33 that the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them. They were following the Lord's leading. In the example of Joshua and Jericho, look at how that battle started. Joshua chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. And who? The Lord said unto Joshua. See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city. He's given him instruction. All ye men of war, go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. So Joshua just did what the Lord told him to do. But we did not see that with the children of Israel here in 1 Samuel 4. Not at all. They did it on their own. And they didn't seek out what the Lord wanted them to do. They didn't even ask him. Nothing. And we can have a tendency to fall into this same trap. During weeks like we had this past week, God gives us clear instruction. He speaks to us very clearly. But that doesn't mean now we're good. We're, we're good for the, for, for the foreseeable future. We don't need to ask for his direction anymore. Certainty was great, but we need to look ahead. We can't stay there. This is never just a one and done deal with God. We got to keep seeking, we got to keep asking, we got to keep following, and we got to quit assuming. Quit assuming that everything is okay if it's not in your life. Quit assuming that just because you were okay in the past, that you're okay today and that you're going to be okay tomorrow. So they erred by focusing on the past and not the present, and therefore quit seeking the Lord's direction. But but that's not all, and in fact, it's, it's not even the worst of what they did. Because secondly, this is the second way they lost their focus. They focused on a religion, not a relationship. And here's what I mean by that. Israel mistook the symbol of God's presence for the presence of God himself. You see, the ark absolutely was the sacred place where God revealed himself in the days of when, when Israel truly served him. We've, we've learned all about the tabernacle last week. But the ark in and of itself was devoid of power without the presence of the one who dwelt between the cherubim. So the children of Israel thought the power was in a piece of furniture, not in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were good Catholics. Catholics. It's religion. That's all it is. So the mistake they made was they mistook the visible for the invisible. The elders said, let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. And they ascribed to the ark what could only be done by God himself. And listen, this is the tendency of all of us. Because we want to be able to see it. So we lean upon the arm of the flesh, and we trust in man, and we trust in religion, though it is written plainly in Jeremiah seventeen five that thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. You see, God does not get any glory from us trusting in the arm of the flesh. He only gets glory when his power is used. And the Israelites were acting like they thought they were using his power, but it was nowhere to be found. Because they didn't have an intimate relationship with him. They didn't even ask him. They didn't seek him out. They just had religion. And they never is going to cut it with God. And it just seems like all of God's people. Throughout history, us included, has preferred what God has to offer over God himself. And the Israelites wanted his power for victory over their enemies. They didn't really want him. This is something we always need to be careful of and cognizant of in our lives. It's easy to fall into this trap, but listen... We need to desire his presence, not just his presence. You need to, if that didn't make sense to you, just look at the board. We need to desire his presence, not just his presence. You should want him for him, not just because of what he can provide. The children of Israel didn't want him. they just wanted victory over the Philistines. Do you? Do I? Are we like Israel in this? If so, then shame on us. We need to stay focused on what's important. It's him. He's important. It's it's, it's about today and not yesterday. It's about a daily relationship and not a religious experience that is ultimately selfish in motives. And that's the first warning we get from the nation of Israel. But not only did they lose their focus, We also see that they locked arms with failures. And listen to me here. The people you lock arms with and trust in will either help you or hurt you. That's that's just the way it is. Some things will never change. Where's Bruce Hornsby when you need him? But look back at verse 4. Some of my Gen X people got that. Verse 4, so the people sent to Shiloh, they might bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. So Israel wants to use the Ark of the Covenant to help gain victory. But the guys in charge of the Ark of the Covenant were the two worst guys possible, Hophni and Phinehas, like real winners, these guys here, and everybody knew it, I mean, this, this was no surprise that came out after the fact, and yet nothing had been done about it, look back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, God's pretty clear, like he doesn't really leave it up for debate, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, or, or the devil, they knew not the Lord. Okay, that, that's who they are. This is no question. It's like, well, you know, maybe. You know, we, we can see it a couple different ways. Some people like them, some people don't. No, they were sons of the devil. They didn't know the Lord. And yet these are the guys we were going to put in charge of handling the Ark of the Covenant. Skip down to verse 17. Wherefore the sin of the young men, Hophni and, and Phinehas, was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred. The offering of the Lord, in verse twenty-two. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the woman, with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle, a the congregation. I mean, we're talking about some gross sin that these guys were involved with, and yet they were the ones bringing in the Ark of the Covenant, and the children of Israel didn't care. In fact, it was celebrated. When they came in with the ark, in verse 5, the people shouted with a great shout. What a cool thing this is. Well, how do you think the Lord felt about that? I think we find out in verse 11. They get killed. Spoiler alert there. I know we already read it, but I think we know how the Lord felt about it. And, And just as a side note. You know, you do know that if you are a Christian, that the presence of God resides in you today. And if you are involved in gross sin like these guys, hmm, be careful. Kenny made a very important statement on Wednesday night, and it was something along the lines of this. He said, because we live in the age of grace and God's judgment on sin isn't quite as visible maybe today as it has been in other dispensations. That we somehow get the incorrect impression that God doesn't care as much about sin as he used to. Well, that's very, very wrong. Hebrews 13:8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, and that includes his hatred towards sin. So if that scenario, if this Hofnian and Phineas scenario describes you and you're getting away with gross sin today, please don't think that you'll get away with it forever. Because you won't. But that's not really my point here. Here's my point. I'm I'm just trying to warn you that even if you have spiritual momentum today, after the Certainty Conference, if you go right back and lock arms with spiritual failures, you will become a spiritual failure too. And sometimes we make poor decisions about the people we allow to have influence over us or the people we trust and lock arms with when it comes to getting through the hard times of life. You need people around you that will help you. And here's how they will help you. When they tell you the truth because they love you. You need people around you that will sharpen you. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You see, sometimes we don't like listening to the people we need to be listening to the most because sometimes the truth hurts, but the truth is what we have to have. The truth is what we need. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And listen, if you have a Phineas and a Hophni in your life, you need to recognize that. You need to understand that they might not have your best interest in mind when it comes to your spiritual growth. And they don't want from you what God wants from you. And they may be family, they may be friends you've had for a very long time, they may even go to this church. But if they're not going where you're going, then you need to ask yourself some hard questions and maybe make some hard decisions. And maybe, just maybe, you need to listen to the Solomon this morning. Who said in Proverbs 9, 6, Forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding. And the reason why is because of what he said in, in, in Proverbs 13:20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Listen, Hophni and Phineas, that was a companion of fools. And guess what? They were destroyed. And that destruction thing is something you want to avoid. I think that kind of goes without saying. Some of you have already been down that road, and you know what I'm talking about. Who you lock arms with, who you allow into your life on an intimate level, who you allow to lead you, it matters. There's no doubt about it. Because here's the truth, and it's something you need to know. The devil uses human agents in his work to try to stop any spiritual growth in your life. So there may be some people in your inner circle of acquaintance or even in your row right now and they won't like it if you actually start living for the Lord. Don't lock arms with them. Or if you already have, unlock. Unlock your arms. You need to heed that warning. And then third, the next warning we need to heed and we see in our passage this morning is that the nation of Israel, they were led by their feelings. And that's never good. Look back at verse 5. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. You see, they felt good about the situation. They shouted with a great shout. And they were excited now because they had the trump card with them. What could go wrong? So they charged away proudly. But listen, we should never be led by our feelings. Just because it feels right doesn't mean it's right. And then move forward based on how we feel. We should only be led by and move forward based on what the word of God says only. You see, it's easy to allow emotion to be the dominant factor in our assessment of our own spiritual health. So we allow how we feel to be the, the determining factor. Now, I'm not saying it's no factor. God uses our emotions. I'll, you know, I I've, I've told you this before. I just, our emotions are aren't bad or good. That God gives us our emotions. And I in our counseling class in LFBI, I I, I now anal, analyze it or uh, what's the word I'm looking for. then I make the analogy, so I'm a little tired this morning. I make the analogy like this that our our emotions are kind of like our spiritual um Nervous system, our spirituals, you know, the the way we understand what's going on. So we have a physical nervous system. We have nerves that run through our body that if we touch a hot stove, those nerves fire and say, you better, you better, you better remove that. Or our emotions, God uses our emotions the same way. And so if we're feeling a certain way, well, man, maybe there's something to analyze there. But they're not the dominant factor. Like if, if you're, here's an example. So many times, people, they get saved, genuinely get saved, and they go through something, and they feel like they're not saved. And so it just causes them to stumble. And so they use that emotion to determine, well, man, I, I'm, you know, I must not be saved. Well, if you need to analyze it, analyze it. But if you're saved, you're always saved. And Satan uses that in, in a person's life to just cause them to stumble and not allow them to keep moving forward. No, emotion can't be the determining factor. God's word always is. We need to trust his word. So for example, you know, in this, in this line of thinking, going back to our theme for the Certainty Conference, if it feels like worship, it must be worship, right? No. Your emotions and your feelings lie to you all the time, and then we allow them to redefine Bible words based on our feelings. And so we define worship based on how we feel, not based on what the Bible says about worship. So don't be ruled and led by those feelings and emotions. You can't use them as your only guide. God's word is your guide. Please understand Proverbs 28, 26, it says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. And we know that wisdom comes from God's word. There's so many verses we could go to, but 2 Timothy 3.15 is one. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So trust in God's word. Let that be what ultimately leads you above your emotions. Again, I'm not saying ignore them but then be driven by God's word, even if your feelings don't match that. And and the sad thing about this story is that while the children of Israel were being led by their emotions and they're charging away on this feeling of excitement because they have the Ark of the Covenant, the Philistines actually took the correct approach. This heathen faithless, God-hating people group could have taught the children of Israel and can teach us a thing or two about the right way to move forward. Because the Philistines weren't motivated by their feelings. They were motivated by fear. They were motivated by the fear of God. Look at verse six. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were what? Afraid. For they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe unto us. For it had not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us. Who shall deliver us out of the hands of these mighty gods? See, they're faithless. They don't understand. They don't understand who God was. They're saying, there's a plural here. These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O you Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. You see, Israel got cocky and let out a shout so that everyone would know it. You know, they kind of started trash talking. And they thought that now that they had the ark, they were unbeatable. But while the Philistines were clearly the enemy of God, in this scenario, they understood some things better than God's people did. And in verse 6 and 7, they were scared. And they were afraid of God. So they went back to work. And in verse 9, they said to themselves, Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not the servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to yourselves. Quit yourselves like men and fight. Listen, that's Bible. Now it was hundreds of years later, but Paul wrote a very similar instruction for Christians. In 1 Corinthians 6.13, he says, Speaking to Christians, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, Quit you like men, be strong. See, the Philistines were acting way more biblical than Israel. You know What a shame. And we should learn from them on this. We need to be careful of letting our feelings lead us, either in being too prideful towards or too scared of man. Because that just leads to sin and defeat. Because look at the result of their sin again in verse 10. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. So not only did Israel lose the battle, they lost 30,000 men, over seven times what they lost in the first battle, and they lost the ark of the covenant. What a dark day in Israel's history. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the same thing can happen to you and me if we don't stay on top of things and stay true to God's word and be led by it and not our feelings. We have so much to lose, truly. And we obviously can't lose our salvation, but we can lose our ability to give God glory. And with that, lose our joy and lose our peace and lose our comfort, lose our confidence, lose our contentment. We can lose our way and for sure we can lose our victory. And we can't afford for that to happen. There's too much in store. There's too much ahead for us to allow that to happen. So don't be led by your feelings all the way to the point of destruction. But there's one more warn- warning I've got to show you. There's one more Israel had and Really, all of the other things, I saved this one for last because all the other things really boil down to this one. And that is they listened, but they forgot. And so this one goes back to verse one. Like I said, I saved this for last because this is the most important one. And the others wouldn't have happened without this one. Look at the very first sentence of or the very first few words of 1 Samuel 4.1. It says, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And the word of Samuel, I'm going to show you, was the word of the Lord. You see, Israel experienced spiritual defeat because even though they heard God's words from Samuel, they obviously forgot what he told them. I mean, I'm I'm kind of just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Otherwise, they willfully ignored them because they sure didn't keep them. And the sad truth to this point is that their defeat certainly could have been avoided. Because their prophet, their leader Samuel, had been, with the, had been with the Lord. Look at the end of chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. After he'd been called out by God, look at what the Bible says about him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, and the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. He had been with the Lord. He didn't let any of the Lord's words fall to the ground. He cherished them. And It was obvious; everyone knew it and acknowledged it. Yet, by the time they got to chapter four, they weren't listening to him, or if, or what they did listen to, they had certainly forgot. They didn't care what Samuel was telling them, and and there was maybe you know it's it's a little you know it's a little bit hard to define, but maybe a twenty year gap between the end of chapter three and the beginning of chapter four. But all that means is. He had been preaching to them for a while. And Israel should have known. Because Samuel knew what was going to happen. And I'm sure he had been warning them. And I say that because what we read even a few verses back in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Look at what it says, starting in verse 11. <clears throat> the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle, And that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house, including his kids. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering, forever that's what the Lord told Samuel and the word of Samuel came to all Israel you think he didn't tell him about that you think he didn't warn him about these two guys how they had made themselves vile against God and yet nothing had changed and that came true. What he had told him, that came true on this day. And he knew it. Samuel knew this wasn't going to end well. And therefore, so should have Israel. He told them, but they forgot. It's, it's funny. This thing called time is funny. And now we talk all the time about, man, the Lord's coming back. We got to get things right. And, you know, you need to be prepared for the judgment seat of Christ because it's coming. And then you think, well, that hasn't happened. And time goes on. And time has a way of messing with your head to think, you know what? Maybe that's never going to happen. Let me just tell you, if God's word says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. God's word said what was going to happen to the sons of Eli. And the result for the nation because of it. And time had passed. And so they just allowed themselves to kind of fall back into what they were doing before. And it's like, well, maybe God doesn't really mean it. If he meant it, he'd have have done it by now. No, God's not defined by time. We are. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled into thinking you're getting away with something that you're not. Let God's word be true and every man a liar. That's exactly what we are. We're liars. We lie to ourselves all the time because we just don't want to live by this book. We want to do it our own way. No. It will come to pass. Believe it or not, But it has throughout history, and it will continue to do so. And we've heard a lot of great things from God's word this past week at the Certainty Conference. My charge for you is don't forget them. Don't let them pass by. Keep them in the forefront of your minds. And really, like I said, if you boil it all down, this was Israel's main problem. They didn't listen to what God was saying to them. They had the man of God leading them. He had invested his word. He didn't let any of it fall to the ground. And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. He told them it all. And they just didn't listen. They just forgot what he said because time. And when we, when we run into problems, problems in our life, most of the time we can boil it down to this very same thing. You know, Proverbs twenty two seventeen 17 says, Bow down thine an ear and hear the words of the wise. And apply thine heart unto knowledge. You need to be able to hear the words of the wise. And hear when God is speaking to you, even through the preaching of his word. So that you know how to respond. So that you listen and you don't forget. And you don't allow time to pass. And you're not doing what you were doing one day, one, back before. Or you're not believing the way you believed before. So that means when you hear it and you hear God's word, obey it. That is how you don't forget. This is it. Listen, this is on your outline sheet. This is how you don't forget. You create a habit of obedience. So when you create a habit of obedience, you just keep doing it and you keep obeying. And when you keep obeying, you keep it, the God's word at the forefront of your mind. So you don't forget it. But how many times do we hear what God is telling us, but, man, we just forget. And we don't do it all the time. Don't do that. Obey and respond. Listen for the voice of the Lord in your life. Even if it's coming through a man, if it's God's word, listen to it and take heed to it. And sometimes there's all sorts of noise going on. He's hard to hear, but he's always speaking. Now, there's a story of a little girl, she was sent to her room for disobeying uh, her parents and her mom comes in to talk to her and the girl asked, "You know, Mommy, why do why do we do wrong things?" and her mom responded, and said, you know, baby, you got we got some enemies out there and they're trying to to get us to, to not listen to God but to listen to ourselves and listen to this world and and and, and listen to everything else that's out there." And, and the little girl said, "But Mommy, God doesn't talk loud enough." And, you know, sometimes it may feel that way. Sometimes it seems like we can't hear what God is trying to say or what God is trying to do in our life, or, or it's just so easy to forget. But here's the thing. It goes back to everything that we talked about this past week. It goes back to what true worship is and what being a true worshiper means. And ultimately, that sacrifice and surrender Of making our life about him and not about us. And all the pitfalls Israel experienced were because they wanted to do things their own way. I mean, they wanted to focus on what they wanted to focus on. They wanted to be led by how how they felt. They wanted to lock arms with those other guys. Why? Because they didn't want to listen to the Word of God, they wanted to do it themselves. And and we tend to want to do it ourselves too. And we tend to want to make it up, and we want to make ourselves feel better. And and like I said, we'll can, we'll lie to ourselves and we'll convince ourselves that we worship God. The only problem with that is it's according to our definition. It's not according to the Bible's de- listen. Bible words have Bible definitions, so you don't get to make it up. I told you last week, you know, you don't you don't get to walk out in the woods and stand by a tree and look at the leaves and say, Man, I'm worshiping God. Now, maybe that gives you a greater appreciation for God. And maybe that drives you to worship. But hear what I'm saying, worship has a definition. And it's it's not looking at leaves. That's not the Bible definition of worship. You can't make it up and say, man, I'm really worshiping God. No, no, you're not. You're not worshiping God until you take that, and it drives you to do what the Bible tells you that worship is. So don't fool yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Believe God. Don't let time slip you into believing something that is not true. God's word is true always. And because when that happens, we end up in in this, you know, spiritual bankruptcy, spiritual poverty. That's where Israel found themselves in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 11. And it always comes down to that. It always comes down to to not heeding and and hearing and, and, and obeying God's word. So, man, don't live that life. Live a life that leads to true victory, eternal victory worshiping him, obeying what he has to say, and loving him through his word. That is the only life worth living, the life that gives him glory. And what a great opportunity it is that we have to do that in this life. Don't allow it to be an opportunity missed. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. And again, I'm, I am so, I'm so thankful, really, for this week and, and um, you know what God did um, I think it was a great week. And, and because it was so good, I felt compelled to, to share this with you this morning. Um, to not rest on that and to not rest on that mountaintop. But keep listening. Keep hearing what God has to say. And keep obeying. Don't fall into to, 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 you know, the, the state that we f- find with Israel where they were just taking God's goodness for granted. And assumed that he was always going to be there and was always going to be good. No, not without obedience to his word. I mean, that's, that's worship. It's surrendering to his word. It's obeying his word. That's how we worship him. So don't worship another way. Don't lie to yourself. The, the risks are too high and the costs are too, too much. And so if there's something you need to get right with the Lord this morning... Man, do that again. I, you know, I said it every night. Don't, don't wait. Don't just, you know, don't just take, you know, the message that God gives you, the grace that God shows you by showing you something that you need to fix and then not fixing it. No, get it right with Him so that we can move forward together for God's glory. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Again, thank you for your word. I, I'm so thankful for this past week. I'm so thankful for all that we heard. And and Lord, I pray that you do use it in our lives as a as a week that we can look back at and, and remember but but remember as something that you started not not something you ended but remember it as something to where we use that to propel us forward to even greater heights in and and, and through you that um, so we are greater lights for you in this world and so Lord I pray you continue to use us and and again I'm, I'm thankful for for this church and and their faithfulness to you but but lord we can always be more faithful and lord there's always ways that we can be analyzing our life and looking at how we can um, be better sons of and daughters of you and how we can better serve you and so lord i pray that you continue to work in and of our lives and lord we love you i'm so thankful for everything and all you're doing we ask this in jesus name amen